0: you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business
1: managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review.
0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tonya Souls. Welcome to the show, Tonya.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here with your listeners.
0: Excellent. And believe it or not, somewhere in the world, there's someone who doesn't know who you are yet. Would you mind doing a little bit of an introduction so they can get to know that?
1: I would love to. I am a small business consultant who specializes in HR. I have a passion for helping small business owners maximize their people to maximize their productivity and profitability. I um, am in Southern Oregon in the United States and have a great business that I'm building and have so much fun. I am a senior certified professional with the Society for Human Resource Management That's a really long name, why we always call it SHRM, to make it short. I have my MBA, and I have more than 20 years of business experience under my belt. So I've seen all of the wild and wacky things that come up in the world of um, employees in business, and they get all mixed together, especially when you have a small business. So I can kind of understand how... Your employee is affecting your accounting and those crazy things.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, what are you most passionate about in life?
1: In life or in business? Let's start with life. Life is my family. It is totally, I have a 12-year-old daughter who is a competitive swimmer and a black belt in Taekwondo. And my husband and I are basically her chauffeurs and Sherpas uh, packing gear around and keeping up with, well, back in the world when we could do stuff, (laughs) right now she's doing karate in my living room on Zoom, but when we could do stuff, it was doing that. But I love to travel. I love um, to explore new places and see and really understand the differences in people. It is so much fun.
0: Excellent. That sounds great. That sounds great. So um, yes. before the show, we, we talked a little bit about sort of the things you're, you're passionate about work-wise, right? So in the, one of the first things you said was around employee engagement. So like, let's talk about that a little bit. So what, what specifically around employee engagement make you excited, first of all? and to what what do you sort of do that really help business owners around engagement?
1: The thing that makes me so excited about employee engagement, in any business, you are lucky to have 20% of your employees that are engaged. The worldwide average is about 15% of your workforce is an engaged employee. The people who are championing your business and wanting to work for you. They are finding new ideas, they're solving problems, they are your superstars. If you're lucky, that's two out of 10 employees that you have that are that way. You have the potential of eight other employees that could boost your productivity if you could shift one. And employee engagement, while employee satisfaction is related to it, they're different. And so when you talk to your employees and find out what gets them excited, what they love to do, you can, as the business owner, figure out, okay, how can I make them fit in my world and flourish and shine and want to be here? You always hear about people saying, well, those darn millennials and those darn Gen Zs, they just don't want to be here. They don't want to work. They don't want to do any of those things. And they're just going to quit anyway after a year. Well, they're really not. If you talk to them, you engage them and you're pushing their yes, yes, yes buttons, they're going to stay. They're going to make your company better. So that's what jazzes me about employee engagement is you can make things happen in ways you never knew you could.
0: It, it reminds me about one of those, uh, let's call it famous LinkedIn quote with the CEO asking his CFO and says, uh, you know, what happens if we invest in our people and they leave? And CEO says, what happens if we don't? And they stay, right? So that's a, oh. uh, yeah.
1: There's a statistic out there, the disengaged employees are costing businesses over like $512 billion a year because they're the people that are just sitting there distracting the people who are holding space and doing the bare minimum and taking the negative. And if you can minimize those disengaged people, you are saving money. (laughs)
0: Definitely, and and I mean that's that that's what I personally love about management is that you, you, you're you in in many cases you get a ton of productivity, you get a ton of output for free, right? Totally. So but the thing is, you're already paying all these employees. Why not put in a little bit of effort and get more out of them, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, why are you paying someone to hold space in a desk or hold space on a line? or stand around and look at things that aren't working. What, that's not very efficient.
0: Excellent. So that sounds, uh, that sounds good. So uh, you, you mentioned also actually talking to your people. So would that mean that you actually advise business owners to talk to the people that work with them?
1: I advise my business owners, my clients, the people who attend my workshops, anybody If you have employees in your world, talk to them. And that means scheduling time every week to talk to your people. I've had the question from people like, you expect me to talk to 25 employees? Absolutely not. That's crazy. But when you have 25 employees, you probably have three supervisors, that you work closely with, who's working with the people under them. You're talking to those three supervisors every week. They're talking to the five people under them every week. And so there's a check-in with the people that you work closely with. It can be blocking out an hour one day a week where those are your check-in times or blocking out 15 minutes a day, depending on what your day looks like. You've got to have those, how's it going moments, or do you need something? Are we getting in your way of being productive? Um, I'm also a huge proponent of stay interviews. I know I'm gonna say something really controversial here. Employee evaluations are useless in their standard form the fill in the numbers of how satisfied you are with performance without anything else in there stresses out the manager having to fill it out stresses out the employee who's doing it and unless you're putting in some goals metrics check-ins and those things and those employee evaluations they're not working for you they're just work I say, throw out the employee evaluations and do longer check-ins every quarter because you're setting goals and saying, I set these expectations for my employees. Now, as my employee, what type of professional development do you want? What type of um, experience do you want in the company? And can we set some goals with that along with my own expectations. And part of those talk to your employees is, hey, how are you doing on increasing your call count to 25 a day? How are you doing on meeting that metric we talked about? Or do you need a new resource because it doesn't look like you're able to do this? Because you have to change your philosophy from, do what I say to having a coaching mentality and helping them understand and helping them achieve. And you can't do that by having conversations once a year or once every five years or any of those. You have to have a regular dialogue to coach someone to be who you need them to be in your business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, definitely a couple of points to that. So First of all, I actually have had uh, at the peak probably 23 people that uh, I I don't necessarily say the ones you work closely with. I tend to say the ones that report to you. And this is often one of the challenges I see in small organizations. It's not always clear who reports to who. And if that is not clear, that will become a big issue. right? Because if, if an employee is not clear who can fire them, who rewards them, and so on, that is a big warning sign, right? But, but So rather than say the ones you work closely with, I always say the ones that report directly to you are the ones you should talk with on a weekly basis. Now, one absolute key thing, as I said, I've, I've had a team at one point that was uh, 23 people, right? And speaking with them once a week for 30 minutes was still by far the best investment of my time as a manager of that many people, right? It was still the biggest ROI. And again, it was the reason why I got promoted again, right? Because I actually talked to human beings that I was managing.
1: Well, it so, gives you a chance to coach them and help them and check in that they're still okay.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and here's the key thing. Most people, when they learn their profession or when they learn the skill, when you start out a small business, a lot of people just start out being themselves, right? And it's all about them. And it's all about what they do. But here's the kicker. When they start growing, they forget that. Uh, they, they basically keep that in their mind, right? So they, they keep answering every question. They keep being the expert. And it challenges us as a human being that feels really good, like when people come to you, ask you a question, and you answer like you're an oracle. For most human beings, that feels really good. But here's the thing the way you learned doing what you're doing, the way you gotten to your level was by actually doing things and making mistakes. Now, if you're expecting everyone else to have things sorted from step one or from day one, that will not happen. And that is often the unrealistic expectation that business owners sit on their people right and that is a yeah it's it's a critical issue that you really need to think through as a business owner and you really need to get to first of all the hurdle as i mentioned that you you learn by making mistakes and so will your staff right now they obviously get some guidance and stuff from you which will hopefully mean they make less mistakes than you did at that point in time but they will make mistakes and here's the thing that's okay
1: Absolutely. I have a client right now that is in this exact situation and I'm in her face saying, why, why does your employee have to know all of this stuff before you will formally give her the authority with the responsibility that you want to hand over? Why does she have to know the details of how you created the company to operate the company with these things here. When you have it all there and you can tell her this is her resource, let her learn. And if she has a problem, you can say, here's your resources and I'm available.
0: Yeah. And, and definitely, I mean, as, as a business owner, learning not to answer questions is really important, right? So, so learning to be a resource of thought and learning to be a resource of asking questions is great, but really trying not to answer them is one of the biggest favors you can do yourself. Again, as I said earlier, it, it feels great to answer questions, but you really want to teach your employees to go and figure stuff out and, and, think about and and the problem is if someone comes to you with a question and you're constantly answering they build a process in their head that says every time a question comes up i will go ask instead of building up a process in their head that says every time a question comes up i should think about it and see what the right action would be right so you don't want to build a culture and, and a lot of leaders do this not necessarily on purpose but they're like oh, you know, I want to double check every decision is right to make sure we don't make mistakes. So I want people to come and ask me. And that is a very, very dangerous path to go down because, first of all, all your time gets eaten up by answering questions that aren't adding significant value to your business, which means fundamentally, your business will grow significantly slower, if at all. Uh, But more importantly, it actually hinders the development of your staff, right? So... Again, most people are not on purposely hindering the development of their staff, but that is the actual outcome when they end up in situations where they want to answer all these questions and so on, right?
1: Well, it's the, why didn't they take initiative? Why didn't they just fix the problem when they've been trained in their brain? I can't take that initiative without asking permission first. Yeah. And so they didn't take those steps because the manager owner has trained them, they don't have the authority to do it. Yeah. So it's and, that double-edged sword.
0: And by the way, it's not just, oh, now you have the authority to do it, go do it. Like the world doesn't work that way, right? It's it, authority and, and so on. is something that builds up all the time and something people need to be comfortable with.
1: Some well, people naturally are rec-
0: more comfortable than others, but yeah.
1: Well, in giving them recognition when they've taken on that new role, that new authority, or they've taken the initiative to solve a problem or create a new system or create a new opportunity to say, wow, I hadn't thought of that. That's a great idea. Or you dealt with that really pain in the rear situation Way to go. I really appreciate it that you handle it and I didn't have to get involved. Those are, that extra recognition is also a huge piece to employee engagement is, hey, I have these amazing employees and they can do stuff. They know stuff and they're making things happen in my business. It's that taking the time and it is all about time And I'm in that Gen X world where I have worked with older managers that I'm paying you to do it, just do it. And I've worked with younger that are like, why do I have to do it? Why is this? And it's in this world where just because you're paying someone doesn't mean A, they know what you want or B, understand why you want it and for some, if they don't know the why, it's not gonna happen.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, this is also, this is not just a generation thing, but that's also a personality thing, right? Because I mean, different people, different human beings just operate differently, right? And then for some people, it's not because they're like, oh, I don't wanna do it if I don't know why, but it's just a, as much a question of the way they look at the world. It's like, they need to actually comprehend why am I doing this? So, so for them to say, well, you know, for me to answer this email the right way, I need to know and understand the logic behind what I'm doing, right? So that's not just a generational thing. That is also a big time a personality thing, right?
1: Absolutely. And along those personality things, knowing the personality and the style of your employees allows you to know how far you can push them. Because if you have someone who is very introverted, very um, data-driven, very methodical, and loves a data entry position, and the idea of doing anything else scares the cred out of them and they will quit, pushing them into a supervis- supervisory role is going to push them out of what they want, what they can do by understanding that that person has no desire to be a CEO of their own business. They want to work for you. They want to do these things, maximize their skills, maximize their personalities, and understand that if you push them too far out of their comfort zone, they're gonna leave.
0: Yeah, and it, it is a very, uh, I mean, I, I spent most of my time on personalities, right? And, and really understanding, putting the right people in the right role. Uh, and I mean, it's not just reserved people not wanting to take initiative, etc., right? But the, the whole thing is that you always need to come to people and, and find where their strength is. Because if you start relationships with people from a, from a point of strength for them, and um, that's a great scenario. And, and here's the thing. You need different people with different skill sets in your business. You don't just need copies of you. And, and many people are like, oh, you know, I want to hire this person. I want to teach them everything I know. And then they're a copy of me. And then I can, you know, grow the business. No, if you grow copies of you, you grow the biggest weakness you can ever have. And the biggest weakness in a business is generally, if that one human being leaves you, if they get run out by a bus, or if they get COVID or whatever, you're screwed, right? You do not want to build a business that is dependent on individuals. The whole point about management is building businesses that are run with systems and frameworks that enables you to do what you want to do longer term, right? And it, act- it enables to replace people. Obviously, people within a business are important, but none of them should not be replaceable, and and I, I say this all the time. But if you have a business where you going to a hospital or you leaving for a month brings the business down, then fundamentally you don't have a business. You have a very glorified uh, job, but you don't have a business because a business is an entity that can run uh, in and by itself, and it can, you know, it can grow even when you're not there. Right. And that's, I mean, that's basically what I work with most of my clients on.
1: Right? I actually just wrote a blog post on, are you building a business or a side hustle? If you're building a business, you need systems. You need things in place that operate like a business, creating a separate entity that you have very clear policies, procedures, things in place that it is your business, but you have the systems there. So if you go to the hospital, if something happens, someone can step in and like, oh, okay, I know how to do payroll, or I know how to do the sales meeting or whatever it might be, where if it's just you, and you're kind of piecemealing and patchworking things and winging it, and you train people to work that way. But one of that piece, one of those pieces disappears, it falls apart. So you have to, like you said, have the systems in place to continue to run no matter who's at the wheel.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting to look at a lot of businesses. I would, I would honestly look at side hustles the same, but the, the, the key thing for me is more the actual mindset, right? So obviously, if you're doing a, a side hustle, that's more like a per hour thing. Fair enough, right? Like, uh, and and a lot of a lot of small business owners do this. I mean, to get their business up running, you know, they go and deliver pizzas three days a week or something to, to make some money, right? And that's uh, totally legit. And and oh, I'm not absolutely. saying everything, everything like that has to be turned into a business, right? But uh, fundamentally, uh, with your business itself you need to give people the ownership and responsibility, right? And you really need to make sure that they are, yeah, that their systems are being built and, and in, a, in a way that they can actually scale and grow, right? Because if they can't scale and grow, they won't do that to your business. And If they don't scale and grow your business. Um, and, and by the way, I tested, like one of my favorite things is telling my team, I, I've built, uh, I mean, uh, three or four businesses now, and and one of my favorites is telling my team, okay, I'm going away for a month, uh, I won't be available, right? That's one of my favorite things to do, um, even if I'm not. But I'm, basically, in my world, that means shutting down communication. So I could right. be working on something big, or you know, working on strategy for next year, or whatever. But literally, just not jumping in and saving the day every time but actually letting the team do it right if you do that a couple of times and and, uh, yeah it's it's hard not to jump in it's hard to say i am not gonna open my email for a week but try it and see what actually happens
1: yeah and that's that's a struggle for a lot of small business owners that is a a really hard thing for them to do because they've started to put those systems in place. They have started to kind of tease the responsibility to other people and they leave, but then they don't actually give the people the responsibility. They don't actually give the people the authority. And so when it all goes to hell in a handbasket, it's like, Um, what happened? Why didn't you do this? Well, because you didn't let us. And you didn't give us the authority to match that. And I actually had a client not long ago, where it almost imploded the entire business, because the owner had to take a medical leave. And there was not any clear authority left in the business while she was gone for three weeks and employees started infighting and there was, I'm going to be in charge because I think I'm the next in seniority and so I'm gonna boss the other 10 people in the business. And this person's like, no, you're not because I'm technically that. And I mean, it was a hot mess and they actually have lost two employees over it now that the owner has returned. And the owner comes in and loses their mind because in their mind, the system was there, yeah. but the actual authority was not.
0: Interesting, interesting. What's the, what, so if we step away from the things we've already talked about, what other the very common challenges you see in these smaller businesses?
1: One of the, there's actually two, One of them is not necessarily Mm -hmm. people-related, but I have a number of clients where their accounting system is a shoebox. And these are businesses, some of which have employees, where I was actually just having a discussion about overhead and changing pricing and doing these things with the business. I was like, well, what is your overhead rate? What is... Well, my payroll is this. Okay, that's your payroll, but there's all kinds of other expenses in your overhead. So they don't have an accounting system. They've, they started on a shoestring, started using their own personal uh, bank accounts to fund the business startup. And they're two, four, five years in and they haven't established the business side. The other one that's huge is they started as themselves, which is a ton of small businesses, myself included, but then started hiring employees. But when they hired employees, they're paying them a wage, but they set up no other policies, no other procedures, no other anything So I just had a client call because they had an employee who made some inappropriate comments that they didn't technically cross the line, but they were a, if interpreted wrong, could have, and the customer interpreted it wrong and did a couple of other things um, related to a privacy violation, all of these things. And I said, okay. What do you have in place for this policy for discrimination or for um, code of conduct? What do you have to address this? Nothing. Okay. You have several problems. A, the employee didn't realize what they were saying or have that expectation. So you need to coach that moment and you have to honor and respect the laws that are govern your employees, whether it's state, federal, international, it's all, there's employment laws everywhere. You have to understand what those are. And if you don't make policies in place, you are pretty much in trouble, <laughs> especially when you have an employee that does something crazy. And so it's a lot of those where the employer's, are now like, oh, I had this person do this. Okay, you need to put your system in place for what happens when you need to discipline someone. What happens when you need to coach someone? All of those things need to be created. And that's one of the things that I do for a lot of my employees is help them, or a lot of my clients is help them establish those systems for their people.
0: Yep. And how long does that take out of curiosity? So, when you, I mean, I, I generally work with different jurisdictions with those kind of things. But in the US, like how, how, how long do you typically spend with clients and setting up those kind of systems and so on?
1: Right now, I, it, it is a good six months to get them all in place all right. because we have all of the COVID stuff happening right now. And oh. all of um, the CDC and OSHA guidance is changing constantly. And so the processes and procedures um, that the employers have to comply with are changing. So some of the more fundamental things take a little bit longer when the crisis things come up.
0: Oh. Okay, that makes, a good, that makes good sense. And a um, lot of uh,
1: it, you have to coach the business owner as you're going and creating these policies, there's a lot of questioning and a lot of, um, I was just working on a background check policy today and the business owner came back with a interesting answer. And I said, okay, you had originally told me this is what you wanted as your intent. What you just told me was completely opposite. So when we're creating this, I need to know what is your intent and what do you want? And then I will make sure it complies with all of the laws that apply.
0: Right. Okay. That that makes sense. That makes sense. And I I think like one of the challenges and and one of the reasons why I, I, I expect it takes a long time is obviously because when you haven't thought about it, like a lot of the time, you know, you you have to put some thought about it and then very often policies get changed because you know you, you put a policy in place with a certain mindset and a certain framework and then suddenly something happens and suddenly you realize oh you know that was not the way i intended to look at that policy or that problem or that situation you know let's go and update this thing to reflect what i actually wanted to do etc so that uh, i see that happening a lot right
1: Uh, well and that's a huge thing especially like with benefits or paid time off or vacation or a retirement plan or any of those things at least here in the us a lot of that is employer dependent and so when you start having those conversations you're you're looking at you know what do you want to give your employees and this is going to be the cost associated with it and here's who's actually going to benefit from it. And when you really start digging into those different things, like I want to give them the world, but my budget allows me to give them a Twinkie, <laughs> it's, it's kind of finding that balance. Yeah.
0: So you mentioned earlier about sort of financing and budgets and, and things like that. So, um, anything in particular you do when you, when you help new business owners sort of set up budgets and so on, like any, any particular focus areas or any particular mindset things that you feel is really good for employees to understand?
1: Well, the first thing that they really have to understand is guessing what your numbers are is the f- best way to sync your business. Um, you have to know your information. You have to know your data. And especially if you're looking at something like your payroll, your payroll is half of your payroll expense, because then you have the benefits, you have taxes, you have all of these other things that you have to look at in addition. And for a lot of the small business owners that I work with it is helping them understand the finance side of their business. They have a CPA, they have their accountant, they have their financial planner, but their planners are speaking or their CPA is speaking in financial terms. And if you have a business owner without a business background, Those financial terms go right over their head. And so they just disengage from the process. And it's like, no, 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 you have to understand at some level, do you need to be able to create a profit and loss statement? No, but you have to understand what it says and you have to know where you can go to get one. If you are not doing your bookkeeping, you need to know what your bookkeeper needs to give you, to give you an accurate picture of your business, because you can't plan. You can't know what you can spend. You can't know how you can grow until you know what you have to work with. And hey, I need to increase my sales in order to do this growth opportunity. Or I need to really look at my overhead because it is way out of line for the industry. And I spend a lot of time with businesses just helping them grasp what they're looking at and yeah. what it means to them.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And, and I mean, one of, one of the clients I work with as an example of this is uh, a guy who was working in e-commerce, right? And he was in a situation where you know he was making some good money for a year he didn't really have accounts but you know he was basically using his bank balance and looking at the bank balance and say oh well money's coming in now the challenge was he was doing a lot of uh, delayed advertising so like pay per click and so basically advertising where you know you pay up front and then you you sell some products on the back end so it it means it's not always clear how much money you're making or how much money you're losing now he had a business that was making good money for a period and he started hiring staff and he started growing and, and it looked great. Um, and his sales kept going up. So he was basically, you know, if you buy a product of 50 bucks and you sell it at a hundred and you're like, well, if I do that a lot of times, you know, I'm making good money. But the, the problem was exactly that he didn't have a good finance overview. And what happened was he, he kept hiring too many people. And he ended up in a situation where he thought he was making money because he was selling a lot of products at 100 that he was buying at 50. But he simply hadn't calculated all the overhead. And basically what happened was when, when we finally sat down and we got his numbers, what happened was he realized he had been losing money for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And instead of being making money, he was actually like 120K in debt. Um, which is quite a difference, right? But, but in, in his case, it was very much because he was doing all these ads that was mm-hmm. fueling the sales of the products. And because he was spending a lot of money on ads, he, he saw his bank account ended up going in minus and you know, he was borrowing and credit cards and all those horrible things. But you know he thought he was just making more money. But reality was he was losing significantly. And that's exactly what can happen when you're not on top of your finances.
1: Well, and so many small business owners, they're like, I want to grow. I want to get big. I want to do these things. I need to hire all of these people. And it's like, hold on. Do you have the money to hire people yet? Yeah. And that's that's a huge thing because they're like, I have lots of money. I can do anything. Okay, wait, you have lots of money because you just got a big payment from your credit card processor or you have... Or that it's that bill cycle where all your payments just came in. But have you paid all of your bills yet? (laughs) Where is that timing? And that getting small business owners to think about the timing of things, because maybe how you're selling things and you have daily transactions that are happening, but sometimes you only have monthly bills, balancing those out and understanding Just because you've had a great week does not mean you're going to have a great month. (laughs) Or for some businesses, it's a great quarter versus a great month because they have longer term, bigger ticket items that their cycle of revenue is much different. So they can't look on a month to month. They have to look quarter to quarter. And you have to understand that about your business, otherwise, you're not going to be able to make plans to make your business what you want it to be. Oh. I
0: agree, I agree. And yeah, I mean, generally, cash flow. I mean, ca- cash flow is a. It's one of those things that are pretty hard to understand for most people, right? It's not necessarily like for people who knows it and understand it, it makes sense, but, but. Onto such a point where you do know it and understand it, it, it can definitely be a beast to understand, right? And, and actually seeing like, you know, money in the bank doesn't necessarily mean that we have money to spend, right? And uh, again, I had a client that was running a very successful, different client running a uh, very successful e-commerce business. And one day he phoned me up and he said, man, my bank account is empty. And I don't understand that because <laughs> we we're making lots of money. I'm like, Right. Well, we know where this one's going, right? Um, and and this was a typical example of someone where, you know, I mean, they they weathered the storm and and they 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 were actually making a lot of money. So it was a cash flow issue, nothing else. But the challenge is, even with cash flow issues, you need to be able to actually have finance to to cover that, right? I mean, he ended up being able to do it with a couple of credit cards for a few weeks, but. In, in the end of the day, like you need to make sure that you have some good cash flow statements, uh, but in some sectors more than others, right? Like if you're okay. dealing with physical products, that becomes really important because with any kind of physical product business, you're in a situation where you're uh, having to buy supply up front and then having to ship it off. And, you know, how much supply can you actually afford to buy while still having cash flow for the rest and so on is critically important sometimes with service businesses it's a little bit less important that doesn't mean it isn't important right but it's it's a little bit less if you're if you're always charging customers up front for example and you know you always get paid then even if you doesn't necessarily have a great cash flow system you will often see less issues right just because of the way you 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 bill and so on but fundamentally it's one of those things that are very very important for them.
1: Right. oh absolutely it, it is it's it's so challenging and so many small business owners it's something that they struggle with until they really get a grasp of it
0: so tanya great conversation great conversation before we finish up any amazing resources or anything that you want to share with your audience that you feel will help you a lot you think can help them
1: I, there are so many amazing resources out there right now. Um, Depending on your business, depending on your industry, there are associations, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. For the business world, if you are not involved with groups on LinkedIn, um, you're missing out some great opportunities. Um, I... There's just so many different resources, but it is so dependent on the industry that you're working in. So that's the more challenging. Okay.
0: Sounds good. Sounds good. If people are eager to get hold of you, Tanya, what's the best way
1: of doing that? Um, Facebook, I have my business page, Souls Consulting. Um, I also have a Facebook group. It's The Triple P Group for Small Businesses, People, Profitability, and Productivity. It's also in the group, Souls Consulting, or LinkedIn, Tanya Souls.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much for joining me today. It was great talking to you, and I wish you the best of luck.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Excellent. And to the audience, we will be back again next week. So tune in and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.